listening to the Twin Theory Podcast, Season 3, Episode 4. Hey, and welcome back to the Twin Theory Podcast. We are in Season 3, and this is Episode 4. Season 3, Episode 4, so happy to have you all back. Um, again, this season's been a little different. Instead of talking about ourselves, we've been looking at other uh, twins and kind of mainstream arena, if you will, and uh, kind of analyzing some of their stories from our, you know, and kind of meshing them with some of our own experiences. Uh, but we've just been really looking at these other twins and talking about their story and analyzing them and dissecting it and just having a little conversation. So as promised in at the end of episode three we talked about this documentary called twinsters and i mentioned this is courtney i mentioned uh that it was on netflix it is not on netflix anymore it did it was on netflix for a few years it's no longer on netflix it's on youtube so i'm sorry if you some of you all googled it you probably saw it on youtube if not you can catch it on youtube uh the full documentary is on youtube and uh, you can watch it and just, you know, tell us what you think about it. But before we get into the questions, let me give you a little bit of background. So the two girls are a niece who lives in France and uh, the other girl is Samantha. And Samantha lives in uh, the United States. She actually lives in LA, I believe in California. And she works as an actress. And um, so the story starts off with Samantha getting a message from a niece like, uh, hey, uh, one of my friends stumbled on one of your videos and it just so happens that we look just alike. And so uh, Samantha thinks that it's so interesting. She looks into it and Lord and behold, she friends a niece and Lord and behold, they keep looking at each other's videos and pictures and they look just alike they look identical they sound just alike and so they set up a few skype meetings and they talk to each other and they both know that they were adopted as infants um, but nobody ever told them that they were twins so they go on a journey to try to figure out if they actually are indeed twins and uh, they take two different routes one is uh samantha contacted the adoption agency that uh, worked her adoption uh, to see if they could get in contact with their biological mother and see if the biological mother would make any you know admitments to the fact that she had children and she had twins what is interesting we'll talk about it a little interesting is that both samantha and anise uh they actually were adopted through two different adoption companies which is weird uh but there's two different totally different uh adoption companies the company that uh anise came out of is no longer even open so she couldn't even contact them to ask them questions about her birth and if she had any siblings or anything so that's one of the routes that they took um, they didn't find anything um, after trying to get in contact with their biological mother. The adoption uh, agency just pretty much told her that the biological mother refused that she even had any children to begin with, let alone twins. Uh, the other route they took was taking a DNA test. They uh, take the DNA test and then they fly to see each other. They, as in Samantha, flies over to France to meet up 
uh, with a niece and they meet up, they have a great time bonding. And by the way, they're bonding just from the beginning, right off the, the top. They, they're 25 years old and they're bonding really well from the first conversation on Skype to when they meet in person. When they're in person, they find out the DNA results come back and they are 100% matched. They are identical twins. Uh, the story continues on. They try to find their biological mother or try to reach out to her. They wind up writing a letter to see, you know, just to tell them her that, hey, they're not upset with their biological mother, but they do want to get some answers. Um, the Anise is able to come to the United States. There's some testing that they do and some twin testing, and they participate in a conference for uh, people that have been fostered, I mean, that have been adopted and come through a adoption program. And it's an all around pretty great feel good story. So if you have not been able to see it, definitely look into it. It's called Twinsters and it's on YouTube. So with all of the quick background, um, I, I want to jump into the first question. The first thing that really jumped out to me, and that was the two separate adoption agencies. Um, this is, this is a question, Marissa, that is really mind boggling to me, but maybe the next thing we'll talk about is this 2020 segment. <laughs> I saw this 2020 segment that was about twins that were separated at birth and it was kind of the same thing. They were both intentionally separated at birth and they went through two different adoption agencies. This one in particular that they highlight in the story, they had no idea how this would have ever happened. Now, again, the people working at this adoption agency, this is 25 years after it happened. Maybe they weren't working there when this happened. But my question to you, Marissa, is for one, do you think that this is something that is common to separate twins um that are adopted um so if a mother has you know a set of twins or multiples and they put them up for adoption do you think it is standard or do you think is it this happens often that the twins or the multiples are, are separated and kind of given you know to families separate so i think there's a lot to unpack there first uh you know ux versus a different country like uh, Korea. So going back to the the story of Anise and Sam, when they were at the adoption agency and they had explained or they, they asked them, hey, you know, do you know how this could have happened? The folks at the agency, you know, said, no, this is rare. So they said it was rare. Now, and for me, I'm like, mm, okay. Because even the previous story we talked about in our former podcast, both of those twins were separated at birth and they both were Korean as well. So, I mean, two stories, okay, maybe just two rarities. But I don't know. My thoughts is it might be less rare than some people think, maybe at least overseas or maybe at least in Korea. Um in the US, I don't know. You know, I can't tell. I don't know enough about, you know, adoption. My thoughts is that some people would probably be willing to adopt one, you know, child versus adopting, you know, almost a family or multiples. So, you know, that's a big decision to adopt one one kid or you're going to adopt all three triplets, you know, or something like that. So that that's a decision to make. So maybe perhaps um, the, the way to go was to separate them. 
I would say in this day and age, you know, with with multiples being kind of, I don't want to say a fad, but like a thing, I, I think it may be a little bit less in terms of uh, agencies separating them because that might be what attracts, you know, individuals looking for um, children to adopt is maybe they want to know if they're twins out there or, or multiple. So I don't know if I can really weigh in to say whether it's rare or not, but I do think it was, it, it just was interesting to me watching it when they did say at the agency that they thought it was rare with me keeping in mind that um, the previous, the, the previous story we talked about on our other podcast was around two sisters as well that were also Korean that were also separated at birth that didn't have any clue, you know what I mean, that they had been separated. And in terms of age-wise, they probably, based on that article and these ladies as well, I think there's only like a one to two year difference. So perhaps maybe in the mid 80s and, and maybe older than that, that was a thing. Yeah, there's some good points that you, uh, you know, definitely that you made there. One thing I shared the thought that maybe back in that time, it was just easier to, um, you know, get a family to adopt the children if they were separated. I know when it comes to adoption, even fostering kids, there are certain uh, standards and certain uh, requirements that you have to meet as a family um, just to adopt one person. So maybe it's just, it makes it a lot more complicated to adopt, you know, uh, two rather than one. I think the thing here that really stood out to me, it was two different adoption agencies. So that, that to me is just mind boggling to see, you know, twins come out of the same adoption agency and go to two different families. Okay, at least they both went through the same adoption agency. But for them to come go through two different agencies, you know, this wasn't a mistake. You know, I, I know, you know, whoever works at the adoption agency now probably had nothing to do with this. All right. They just like, we don't know, this is rare. But actually, this was not a mistake. This was this was thought of and this was purposefully you know done and it i think it's definitely sad that that's happened and it seems to happen a lot more often or it seemed to have happened a lot more often in the past again we'll have to watch that 2020 segment i'll have to send it to you about the how many twins were separated um at birth but another thing that i wanted to mention before i throw it back to you is that i'm glad you mentioned that they were born in korea because i don't know if i had mentioned that they were born in south korea and then they separated one went to the united states was was um you know adopted by a family went to the u.s and another was adopted by a family and went to uh france i think that for me that stems a whole bunch of questions and that you know i don't know how the adoption system works but even in the in the previous article that we read it's like they go one will go to one country and another will go to another country but nobody stayed in korea so it's just interesting i wonder if that even happens in the u.s where there are children that are born in the u.s but they are adopted by somebody that's from a totally different country you know mozambique like what so it you know to me it just seems like it would be somebody from south korea that would have adopted them you know of all the people in south korea but you know i, I don't know at that time what was going on i don't know what lady they had working the desk <laughs> you're silly <laughs> okay too true, true so the other part that i found like very interesting was 
the portion where uh, Samantha, she has sought out some help from a, a doctor that specialized in twin studies out there in LA. And that doctor basically kind of walked her through the process of things she could do to try and see if her and her sister were twins. Uh, she also kind of was very real to say, hey, I know y'all are building this connection, but there's always a chance that you're not twins. So just be prepared for that mentally and emotionally, psychology, psychologically, all that. So that doctor, you know, when hearing that they weren't making much progress with the the individuals over in South Korea, she also suggested a DNA test. And they took the DNA test, the test turned, determined they were twins. Um, so that was great. And then when Anise came to the United States to visit Samantha in LA, they decided to go in together to meet the doctor. And when they showed that segment, they also showed different assessments that that doctor in their office were doing on Anise and Samantha. And so a lot of it seemed to be personality related, introverted, extroverted, things like that. And they were kind of showing the graphs as to how the twins lined up and how they differed. And I wonder what the purpose was for that because they didn't explain it in the video. And so I wasn't sure if it was for the twins to help know more about themselves or if it was for the office to gather data to use later on. But it was interesting because as we've talked before in some of the more personal podcasts of ours, getting letters and emails and messages about this twin registry that we know nothing about, but somehow we're on it and the doctors can find us and folks want to do studies and, and camps and everything. So I just wanted to know what your take was on that part and what you think they might've been doing those assessments for. So, you know, because it's me, <laughs> I did a little bit of research because uh, that was the first thing I thought when I saw them doing the test. First off, when they said they had like a twin specialist and I was like, wow, that's interesting. Like, I wonder if I could qualify for a twin specialist position just because I am a twin, you know, like I feel like nobody could specialize in it better than a twin. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Um, but I did a little bit of research. So it was California State University that's in Fullerton, California. They have a twin studies department. And one of the thing that they look into is in twin sibling and adoption uh, methods to test evolutionary, you know, hypotheses, I guess, or hypotheses surrounding, you know, evolutionary advancement or okay let me just read what they have in this abstract here because i don't sound as smart as i was hoping for so yes, please read it <laughs> whatever um so what they have in here twin sibling and adoption studies have long been used by behavioral geneticists 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 Tick. Geneticist, girl. <laughs> okay, sorry. My hooked on phonics. Geneticist to identify genetic and environmental influence influences underlying human behavior and physical variation. 
The full potential of these methodologies for unraveling the blend of biological, culture, and experiential factors affecting human development has been insufficiently appreciated. The application of twin sibling and adoption designs for examining hypotheses generated by evolutionary theory is described. It goes into it goes into more detail. So no, I don't think that they did these studies for to help the two girls out themselves. I think that they did these studies to help them in their uh, hypothesis or their studies around um, environmental influences. So they knew that the two girls were in, that grew up in two different social settings and two different environments. Uh, Anise had a bit of a French accent even. Um, she did sound a lot like Samantha, but she even she did have a bit of a French accent. And as you heard throughout, her whole family was French and they sound they had their French accent. So I think this was more so just the the studying of the twins and just to see how the environmental their environmental differences might have um, created some changes between them now me if you want me to be honest i think there's a lot of money going into this program for no reason because me and you have grown up right beside each other for many years and we still come out not the same we still come out in two different ways and we shared a room for 14 years and all sorts of stuff so i, I think a lot of this is kind of bogus but anyway that's what the twin study i think was uh, about was more so to study to see if their environments and, and the cultures and social cultures that uh, were so different for them for 25 years, if that had any effect on their, we're gonna say twinness or their ability to be alike. That is my uh, non-professional answer. <laughs> okay. And before you said a couple of things that I wanted to follow up on before, cause I think you have something else for me, but so, so, okay, so back up. Anise was born in London, but currently living in French, in France, sorry. So she had more of a, a, a UK accent than a, than a French accent. But either way, if, if you want to be fully, uh, you know, correct, she had a European accent. How about we leave it there? <laughs> so, but she grew up in England and she was currently living in France. But so, but I do agree <laughs> that after you explain that, I really don't know. <laughs> and maybe, hey, I'm not really sure what that office would, you know, the details that are coming out of that, you know, maybe particularly, you know, something we can look up in the future and see if, if they're able to even pull further statistics from twins that were separated or twins born or growing up in different environments as opposed to together, because I agree just looking at even when they did the introversion scale and the extroversion scale. And they showed that Samantha was extremely extroverted and Anise was extremely introverted, right? Well, I mean, the same can be, I think said about us. Now, I don't know if I would say you're extremely extroverted, but I would definitely say you're a lot more extroverted than I am. And we, as you said, grew up in the same environment in the same household our entire lives. So some of even when it showed the scale and it showed some of their similarities, but then some of their differences, it kind of made me think of you and me and how we fall with similarities and differences, but we grew up in the same house. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I, I think that 
in order for me to be able to really appreciate that type of study, you know, let one girl be in the United States and the other one be in Russia, you know, born into a communist nation. Then let's see what they're thinking in social environments are like. But, you know, the UK, it's a lot of it is the same, <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of things that are the same between the UK and and France and the United States, like we all have relations with each other. Um, so it's, you know, I don't know that I thought that that was an interesting point too, when they had them doing the, they were the reflex tests or something. And they were like tossing a ball to see who could catch it with their left hand. I'm like, now, now I don't know what this is, but okay. <laughs> Wherever y'all getting this grant money from, let us just know. Cause I will definitely participate in some of these studies. You know what I'm saying? Like if y'all gonna pay me to catch a ball to see if I can catch it or if you can catch it with your left hand wrist, I do that anyway interesting point um so this the point the last point that i really wanted to kind of hamper on a little bit is how the story ended right it ended open <laughs> it, it ended so open it was interesting that the story started off with this oh my gosh i met this girl i don't know if she's my identical twin but we look alike and we kind of sound a little bit alike and then we find out that they are twins and this is where storytelling to me gets interesting because it did not end there the story continued on for about another 35 minutes you know before it ended after we found out that they were identical twins and it starts to really embark on this you know finding their mother finding their mother the fact that they have really built this bond and they want to be by each other and then it just ends it just ends with them writing a letter to their mother and hoping that she'll you know reply back to them and they're still living in two very separate areas you know anise is still living in in france and samantha still lives in california and so it really left with i'm going to say a cliffhanger <laughs> so but it makes me wonder um it you know it, it really makes me wonder uh since it left with this cliffhanger just what do you think would have happened right because one they did build such a bond to the point where they were about in tears when they had to separate you know how do you think that looks for them in the future i think that it's good that they were able to find each other um but i wonder you know, uh, what does that mean for them in the future as far as them in their interaction, how often they're able to see each other. It's one thing to live, you know, three or four hours away from each other. It's another thing to live in two totally different countries. You have two totally different citizenships, you know, like all of that. So it makes it very um, interesting there. And I think another piece was that um you know how they will be able to go on without speaking to their biological mother because it seemed like that was a big hole with both of them was the fact that they weren't able to speak to their biological mother um and just kind of figure out what happened or how they were separated honestly i don't know that the biological mother would know why they were you know sent to two different adoption agencies but getting back to their bond and being separate how do you think that the story continues for them, Marissa, because now they have established that they are twins and they have this strong bond. What do they do? Okay, so I think you put a lot in there. There's a lot to unpack again, a lot of different questions floating around in there. So uh, 
but I will say that before I even go into my answer, you did make up the point that they have two different citizenships. That would probably be the ultimate twin trick to switch places. But anyway, um, <laughs> right? Because you could technically live like the other one could kind of live in France for a minute if she wanted to, because we nobody know, but side story. Um, but to answer your question, I think it's a few things. One, the first part, which is with them being in two different countries, basically, and just learning about each other, how will that impact them? I think that they're definitely going to keep communication. Like now that they know each other, they'll most likely keep to communicating probably daily, keep trying to see each other. I think the difference here, though, is that they're adults. They're 25, right? So even though they're going to miss each other, I don't know if you know, one moving to one country or one moving to the other country is something that they would do. Even look at us now as adults, like we could split off as twins and go to two different countries and okay, that's fine. Now we did grow up together, so that's a difference, but they are adults. They do have their own lives and other people that they interact with. So I could see them continuing that communication and maybe going to visit each other as often as they can, but I think it's different with them being adults as opposed to them being like 14 year olds in high school, finding out that they had a twin. In that regard, you know, there may be more of an effort to try to connect. Now, of course, legally that could be difficult because they're not of age, but um, now that they are adults, I could see that relationship that they had staying the same. Them just kind of meeting up as much as they can and communicating probably through Skype and other means as much as they can. But moving on to their mother, I think that that interest there is goes beyond them being twins. So I know people that have been adopted, and I mean that's the question that they have if they don't know who their their biological family is. It's a part of them and a yearning in them to try and bring that closure and to try and find them. So I understand that component about them reaching out to their mother, trying to find their mother as much as possible. Will it happen because it showed them writing the letter to their mother? I don't know. Perhaps maybe, you know, there's something that, you know, they can put in there that may appeal to her. But there could also be something that is restricting her from doing it that, you know, is not something that she wants to do. So she might not be, she might be choosing to not reach out to them, not because she doesn't want to reach out to them, but because, you know, if by reaching out to them, it could then put their lives at jeopardy, you know, somebody after them, somebody after the family, you know, anything like that. So it's best for her to keep quiet and not say anything, maybe to keep herself safe or maybe to keep them safe. So I think there's a lot of unknowns there, but I do think their attempts to reach out to her and try to get as much information as we can, I think that's perfectly normal. Because again, I know a lot of people that's been adopted and they do try to do that constantly just to bring closure yeah definitely you said a lot of things there and just kind of coming to this end point one is the is the fact i don't think the mother will ever respond to them i don't know that it's a safety thing but it could be something like "Ooh, mama was a prostitute because we know we don't know who daddy is and like maybe it's or she did something or she was involved in something that she's a bit embarrassed to talk about so she would rather them just 
not know. I think in most terms, if you just had kids that you could not financially support and they were trying to get back to you 25 years later, you've had enough time to deal with it. But it might have been some other factors there that mama's like, nah, y'all don't really need to know that I was doing all of that. We'll just keep it where we are. Um, but ending this, right? This is a thought that came to my mind because of the fact that there were two different adoption agencies and we don't know how they went to two different agencies we don't have any confirmation from the mother that she denies even having children let alone twins we are all assuming that they are twins and i say that because they could be triplets, <laughs> they could be quadruplets, there could be another one of them out there that nobody has any idea about because there's no validation point. The only thing that they can validate through DNA is that they're related to each other. So that is where this saga kind of continues and potentially for them, that could be a reason why they're really trying to, you know, flag their mama down. Because at least if she says, no, I don't want to talk to you, but I did have twins, you know, okay, it's just two of us. But if she's just denying having children all together, man, they might be looking at YouTube together one day and see a third <laughs> or three and four, you know, like it could, this story could get very interesting, you know, down the line because we're just assuming that they're twins only because we only know of uh, these two. Um, but anyway, I think that that's interesting. One of the twins that mentioned that she doesn't believe in fate, I do, you know, because of the way that that has happened. I do feel like, hey, they're, it was meant for them to be able to get together because all of the things that, you know, drove them apart, it, it just was happenstance that they were able to get together. But anyway, I thought this was a good one. Again, uh, we'll be back next month. I'll have to see if I can find that 2020 segment rest or uh, something along those lines for next month um okay look at this point it's the it's the twin separated at birth series <laughs> right right twin separated at birth but, but very interesting very very you know quite a few things we can draw from that so yeah definitely i don't know it might be that one or there's a few other ideas i have i don't want to release but there's a few other ideas that i have that potentially um, you know, we'll talk about next month, but definitely for those that were able to tune in, let us know what you think about it. What were your thoughts about it? Do you think they're really twins? Could they be triplets? Um, for those who haven't seen it, make sure you go onto YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. The whole documentary is there and just kind of, you know, give us your feedback on what you think about it. You know, have you ever worked for an adoption agency? Do you know the rules and regulations? Like, how does that work? Are there international rules that are different from U.S. rules or what? I'm just very interested in, in, in getting some background because I wonder if this is way more common than what, you know, we think. There could be a lot of people out here that are twins and just have no idea. So... With that, make sure, uh, you know, if you have any feedback, any questions, any comments, anything you want to send to us, hit us up on our email. That is twin theory podcasters with a S at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at twin theory podcasters. You can find us on YouTube at twin theory podcast. Um, and then our podcast is available along with YouTube. It's available on all major podcasting 
platforms, all major platforms. You type in Twin Theory Podcast, and we are the first ones that will pop up. So make sure you tune in with us every month. Uh, again, this um, this season has been a little bit different. If you have any suggestions or stories you think that we should check out, definitely let us know. I hope you guys are got all of your hot tea and hot chocolate. It's definitely getting a lot colder out there, so definitely keep that hot tea, hot chocolate, and y'all take care of yourself. Continue to wear your mask, and we will be back with y'all um for uh, it'll be a thanksgiving segment it'll be the end of thanksgiving so i mean the end of thanksgiving the end of november so it'll be a thanksgiving segment and so with that i will holla at y'all later we'll holla at y'all later all right bye-bye bye